Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Joining me on the podcast today, episode 119, got Matt Stanton. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You are a couple weeks away from moving to beautiful San Diego. Yeah, moving there with my uh, girlfriend Jennifer. She just got a job at a uh, Bastyr University. That's with a Y, not an ER. Okay, it's French Bastyr or whatever. Uh, yeah, we'll be out there, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Now, are they named after the people who stormed the Bastille? Do we, I don't. Are we now? Are we sure what the mascot's from yet? Oh, it's a name of a person. Okay, there's I have a no idea what they did. <laughs> not sure why they're famous, but. The Bastiers. Well, that's exciting, though. I've been to San Diego twice, I think. I was there for Mardi Gras for a conference one year. I worked for uh, the Stadium Managers Association when I was in college, and I actually got to have dinner on the infield at Petco on the baseball field. That's sweet. It was very nice. If you own a business or whatever, you're all the accountants, I don't see why you wouldn't have your conference in San Diego. That seems like a no-brainer. Absolutely. Beautiful weather year-round. Vegas or San Diego, just... Flip a coin, trade year by year. So it's always nice when a, a move can be prompted by a relationship or something that's going on in your life. But one of the things that I've always wanted to talk to you about when I knew I'd get you on the podcast one day is that we both grew up in Southwest Ohio, Kentucky area. Yes, we did. I grew up in Northern Kentucky. It's where I started doing comedy when I was 21 years old. Actually, I'm three weeks away from my 14th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. I started out as a doorman at Go Bananas Comedy Club and then moved to Chicago like a year and a half later. I got two paid MC weeks and I'm like, ah, I'm moving to the big city. Ready for Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) What was it like starting, and what year, like around when, so 14 years ago, mid-2000s? You yeah, know, 2004, uh, September 22nd. Uh, it was, at that time, there were three open mics a month. That's what's really changed about comedy, is like every city will have eight to ten open mics. The amount you can get up yeah. is substantial compared to even 15, 14 years ago. So, 04, I would have been a junior at Springboro High School, just about 40, mi- 40 minutes north of Cincinnati. Yeah, I was supposed to be, at, well, I guess I technically was a junior at Northern Kentucky University. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I dropped out with three semesters left and moved to Chicago. Ready I to get to I Chicago. Do comedy. I'm fine. Have, have you thought about going back at any point since then? <laughs> I think it seems like a good idea, but then I'm like, wait a minute, I don't need to do that. Yeah, what <laughs> would that fine piece of paper? It. Yeah, as long as you're getting by having fun. How long did you stay in Chicago after that initial move? One year. I moved there with a guy named Mike Cody. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if he does comedy anymore. I know he works in real estate, and his company sold a building to uh, one of Trump's sons. Ooh, okay. He was at the meeting, and then like I think Eric, or I don't know, the stupid. Well, Eric, the, I think is the dumb one. The more <laughs> ridiculous-looking one walked into the room. Didn't say anything, but I guess I don't know. They bought some building in Manhattan or whatever. But yeah, I moved with him. We were there for one year. Uh, that was uh, Chicago was definitely an improv town then. Sure, big and I'm sure it still has that reputation for yeah. most people in comedy. Like, that's when, uh, who were the big people? That was T.J. Miller was shooting Cloverfield, and Hannibal Burris was about to get his first TV spot. And then for a city that big, I was shocked, because there was like, I don't know, there wasn't really that many good comedians. Like, I was surprised by that. I guess everyone was an actor instead of doing stand-up. It was a very strange scene. 
there's a lot of yeah, especially you're gonna find people that do improv, doing sketches, doing more comedic acting than necessarily stand up is their uh, comedic allegiance. When you were in Chicago, did you look at any other versions of comedy as far as your performance or what you were trying to do during that year? I did not. I just wanted to do as many open mics as possible, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to this bigger city. I'm gonna work. And then I got my first ever feature week two weeks into the Chicago Improv opening. And then I realized that was the only club worth working. And I was like, ah, crap, I signed a lease. I could have stopped here for a weekend <laughs> and got that. And I was just fortunate. Like, there's a couple of fortunate things that happened in my life. And uh, a comedian, a headliner who was known, I just happened to work with him. And he was there the week they opened, so I got a guest spot. Like little things like that. Sure. Which I mean, that's comedy. Is little things. That Absolutely. Right place, right time. Yeah, you know, yeah. being in the right situation. How long have you been stationed here in Pittsburgh? Uh, almost six years. I moved here pretty much when I turned thirty. And um, Pittsburgh's a different kind of city. When people ask me about it, it's all these little. Um, you can get so many shows an hour away. Yeah. And actually make money And go to different places, too. There's a lot of stuff within an hour. Yeah, there's so many. But it's not like your typical comedy club scene. Like, a lot of it's, like, fundraisers and things like that. Sure. And if you're... I I don't mind doing those. (laughs) Like, that's the one weird part. I enjoy it. It's not a big deal. Well, I know and a lot of what you do is considered clean comedy, or at least on your website you describe... your ability to do PG-13 material. Yeah, that's more of like a way to sell yourself to as many people as possible. Okay. Uh, My favorite review I ever got was for a newspaper at uh, West Virginia University, their school paper. And they said, uh, Matt Stanton says offensive things, but does it with a clean mouth and a smile. (laughs) It's in like, (laughs) I'll do jokes that are like political and stuff, but it's like, yeah, I just don't cuss for no reason don't have like, to curse yeah like it's just and it's not like i'm going out of my way to do that it's just that's not who i am i'm not gonna lie but everyone's met comic who in the first couple years maybe it's the first time they're doing 15 minutes they just add curse words in there to fake confidence sure and it's like if you're a crowd maybe they don't pick up on it but if you've been around for a while you're just going okay you don't need that i don't know what you're hoping well and there are certain words that elicit a reaction even if it's not a laugh out of an audience you'll might get a groan when you say certain things and having those keywords in your set i think early on for people is kind of a crutch it's something that they can do and hope, <laughs> hopefully it's just an early on thing and they work their way out of it at some point you'd be surprised yeah that's <laughs> you just make a career you're like yeah all right yeah on the uh, on the verge of 14 years what what is it that you would tell college junior Matt, who's starting out doing comedy, about to you know, make the decision to move to his first new town to go to Chicago? What have you learned in that 14 years, or at least in the 13 years since your decision to, uh, to get out of Cincinnati? I would say, actually, I did, I'm working the way I want to now the past three years, but it took me a long time to figure it out. Look at every angle. Try to do every possible venue. Because there will be the cool kids who be like, oh, you only have to do this or whatever. But I've done punk rock music festivals. I've done shows and housing projects. I've done fundraisers. I've done corporates. I've done colleges. I've d- the quicker you get to, of course, you have to be good. Or at least have this, good. Have you the have material. to have something. And, but just go everywhere. and f- be willing to get up as often and in front of different types of groups. That's how you find out if the material is true enough to work yeah, everywhere. Don't, don't worry about being super cool all the time, because guess what? This is the one thing I don't get, because I've lived in six metropolitan cities now, 
everyone thinks they're super original. And it's like, oh, I, I've seen you in Atlanta, Chicago, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, but everyone thinks they're this. Like, oh, no, I'm it. You it's just like, go by a different name in that yeah, town. Yeah, that's, why, that's another reason. I loved that I moved so many different places. Because sure. the quicker you figure that out, yeah, it's like, wow, you go to your two open mics a week and you go to hang out with your nine friends. If that's what you want to do, okay, totally fine. Sure. But don't go around acting like you're the greatest person in the history of the world because guess what? There's another Bob Smith in Atlanta, in Houston. Every city's got a blank, and yeah, you can pick whoever you want. And try your best because I guarantee there's 30 versions of me. Sure. I just try not to do it. Okay, perfect example. I've th- I did a lot of research in my own life coming in here. I'm coming prepared for oh, this yeah. podcast. I'll let you go nuts. In 2006, me and five friends got together and did a show called The Beards of Comedy. We thought it was such an original idea. We spent a month growing beards to do this show. I moved <laughs> to Atlanta in 2010. There became a tour called The Beards of Comedy Tour, and they're relatively known people like Joe Zimmerman. If you're a comedy fan, you probably heard of Andy Sanford, Joe Zimmerman, guys like that. Sure. And they thought they were the original Beards of Comedy. Guess what? We probably weren't even the original Beards of Comedy. We're probably the 15th person. (laughs) It's been happening since the 70s. Yeah, so just know that. That's nothing you can do is so unique that nobody else has done anything like it. I guess there's a uh, a simplicity to that idea that you, no matter what you can bring to stage, it's duplicatable by other people, even if it's not intentional in watching you. Yeah, that's and that's going to happen, so don't bring the pompousness to it, which is very easy for a comic like four to eight years in. They're all of a sudden like, I got my oats. I'm the king of my city. Yeah. It's like, be a human. That's all. You don't need to bring the asks. ego into this. You yeah. still have to treat the new people like they're doing something that matters. And you that's really hard. Like you, I can tell you're a genuinely good person well thank you uh, you let me on the podcast so. <laughs> but, but no, besides that you're generally a good person that's another thing in comedy you're gonna meet some people not the nicest people in the world that's fair but they're not going anywhere sorry bub you don't get that's to pick all your co-workers we don't have an hr department <laughs> that you can go to and say oh, i don't like so and so that per- that person would have jumped off a bridge a long <laughs> time ago hr in st- any city stand-up comedy scene no thank you to be the arbiter of those disagreements that come with, oh, I thought I was going to get a spot on this month, such and such. And, oh, no, why did this happen to me? I'm the guy who wears that jacket. What's he trying to do? You're kind of capturing my essence up there. And only one of us can wear a black uh, button-up. So (laughs) this town is not big enough for two chubby white people. (laughs) So take me from... Chicago, then you mentioned Atlanta. What were kind of the the stops along the way before you ended up here? Um, Chicago, and then a summer in Atlanta, then a year and a half in Minneapolis, which Minneapolis, as of right now, is my favorite city I've ever lived or been to in my entire life. Nice. I love it. And then back to Atlanta for a summer, Cincinnati for three years, and then here for six, and then San Diego's next. So I'm pretty excited because I did that on purpose to do different like the upper Midwest, the South, the regular. And this Pittsburgh's kind of an East Coast, even though it's kind of in between. It feels more East Coast, like a little more. Actually, comedy in Pittsburgh taught me to speak faster, not take your time. Midwest, they'll let you talk. They'll be like, oh, let's have open space. You can go slower. More East, like, no, you got to hit them, hit them, hit them. Huh. And they're not as, like, they're more like if you stink. They'll be like, oh, I'm just going to watch this 
hockey game instead of paying attention to you. Yeah, I got enough phone time that I don't need this. Whatever you're doing is fine. <laughs> yeah, good day to you, Keep sir. Swiping. I got Facebook to check. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited. Never been on the West Coast. I've done one show in Chula Vista. Okay. That's it. I got paid $5. Hey. So technically I got paid in California. That's a write-off then. <laughs> there you if go. you're doing it the right way. You better believe it. I write off everything. <laughs> How, what's the, what's the, smartest thing to write off that people aren't thinking about if they're trying to pursue a career in comedy and don't really understand how cost effective you can be with your money um the biggest is mileage i really hope people know that um laptops uh notebooks pens Anything like any, even a drink you buy driving to a show, keep that. And then notice for your per diems. But the biggest thing, I wish that technology was like seven years earlier. Because when I first started out doing comedy, I would do an MC week in a town. And it's hard to make any money. So I would go on Craigslist and look for odd jobs like people moving. So in the afternoon when you're just hanging out instead of just getting drunk or just like, (laughs) Doing whatever fucking you're, around, d- yeah, 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 whatever you're doing, like, yeah, that's great. Guess what? They drank with comics every week. How about you focus on your career? <laughs> Try to find different ways to earn money. If, like, now there's like the what you know, there's like different phone apps where you can work. I, I don't know if you, you can, can walk do, dogs, you can can uh, you do Uber in different cities, or do you have to be in one? I town? think you have to be because of insurance purposes. Okay. I think you have to be registered in at least a state. I don't know why. Well, you know, I'm a millennial, 35 years old. I used to have to use Craigslist, and I would help people move when I was in town just yeah. to make money on my Saturday afternoons. Little things, that's the stuff. Because the write-offs, if you're making enough money, you know, which isn't ridiculous, but if you're making at least $4,000 from doing comedy, I think you'll probably be able to cover the write-offs. But just try to, try to not have that regular job. Because, okay, if you want to stay in your city and do your X amount of shows, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But once again, don't go around being a jerk about it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. But if you have a regular job, you're never going to do anything in comedy. You really aren't. I've never seen it happen. That somebody was able to work a day job, regular hours, 9 to 5, and then still be able to do weekends at clubs? Be a road con. It's not happening. Like It'd be great if it could, but it just doesn't. So just make your decision. If you want to be a regional act, that's fu- there's nothing wrong with that. I have good friends where they're like, eh, I do my 150 miles. Cool. Good for you. But usually people starting out don't have that aspiration. Like, you know what? I want to work in an office and do 12 shows a year. No, you're like, I'm going to have an hour-long special. I'm going to be great. Cool. But you got to find a way to survive <laughs> not having a 9 to 5. Sure. How has it been kind of getting to see different scenes for different amounts of times, especially in those early years where now I think you have a pretty good business perspective the way you look at it. And you said that's kind of metastasized over the last few years. Yeah. What was it like when you were like fresh eyed starting out, you know, I'm about four years since my first improv class stand up in 2015 kind of made, became the focus. Um, how did you, assimilate into those scenes differently like what advice do you have for people that are still in that kind of sowing their oats figuring out the dynamics still getting each of the bookers in town to work with them um they will book you once you're good enough and in the meantime try to do your own show but if you're going to do that do it properly (laughs) don't half-ass your way yeah 
That's the biggest thing I notice whenever I move to a city. You find out the people who already like you. You find out the people who are just never going to like you. Yeah, have that's, their perspective. And that's going to happen just for whatever reason. So don't waste your time. Don't sit around going like, ooh, when are they going to like me? They're not. They probably won't, yeah. <laughs> it, it might be a personal thing. It might be because you don't do coke. It might be something as simple as that. We're like, no, I'd rather hang out with addicts. Like, okay, fine. Right, then. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, or you are an energetic comic and they like low-key or vice versa. Because so, some people go, oh, I'm a... I'm a mainstream comic, which is a polite way of saying I'll do very user-friendly jokes. <laughs> you don't, but at the same time, you I'm can't, trying to get paid. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you can't be the coolest kid in school. Like, hey, check out that, you know, that sweet Kurt Vonnegut line. I, I was like, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, just find your niche. And it's okay if you're not in every niche. Just, it's Become, all right. And there's enough it. work in each niche that you can make a career out of pretty much any type of comedy. If yeah, you do it the fine. right way. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, and c- there are shows everywhere. Like I've done cold calls to country clubs, VFW, just random places. Like, sure. yes, do contacts to comedy clubs or, you know, if there is someone who runs a great show. Like there's a dude named Ryan Nesser who books a show in Frederick, Maryland. Yeah, it's uh, the Cellar Doors every Sunday. It's probably my favorite East Coast room. Nice. It's awesome independent. And I just... Looked up Facebook, like in different cities, and put comedy, put Baltimore comedy, Pittsburgh comedy. Just look for those little spots because those are the people, and occasionally you'll find something that really works. So seek those people out. Don't just go, oh, I'm only going to work improv or I'm only going to work cool kid room X, whatever it happens to be. Yeah, and then expect that things will happen for you just because you did it. Yeah, exactly. Trust me. I, I did cold calls. Say I did 500, I got nine shows. Right. I hated it. Hated those 500 phone calls, but that's your rate. You're going to get 2%. You want to get out there, don't you? Yeah. You want to go get sets. So there has to be opportunities to get up and tell jokes. With a room like that in Frederick, Maryland, with, with spots throughout that you're able to work that aren't in big cities, what is the audience like as you kind of go from region to region you know you mentioned there being differences between a pittsburgh audience and a chicago audience being a little more east coast or picking up things along the way that's the most important part of knowing your entire craft is that you can't you're not changing yourself you just are able to manipulate but it's obvious things if there's if something leans a certain way politically four times out of five it's gonna be that way. Like Cincinnati, very conservative town. Go Bananas happens to be an incredibly liberal room where all of a sudden those people put away their Fox News stickers and they, I don't know, they learn how to laugh in that room for whatever reason. Because you do any other show in that town, all of a sudden they get so offended. But if you find good rooms, that's gonna happen. But that's an anomaly. Most of the time, it's gonna be the way you kind of think it area is going to be yeah for the most part like don't be a jerk about it but it's kind south <coughs> slow storytelling that typically works well i don't do well in the south okay <laughs> overall <laughs> i kind of don't um yeah i just don't texas for some reason i did super well i don't know why okay minnesota wisconsin two best my favorite two states for comedy 
Nice. It's amazing. I know Wisconsin is historically one that you hear about quite a bit. And then I met uh, Will Spotted Bear, who's from Minneapolis, when he was here for the Burning Bridges Festival. He was one of the nicest people I got to hang out with and talk to. Yeah. Oh, Minneapolis comedy scene. Love it. Yeah. Just the audiences. Like, I mean, okay. I don't know about the, the comics because last I worked there in December, but it had been like three years previous just because for whatever, it just didn't work out like financially. Like, it's kind of not worth it. Uh, in the beginning, you'll take that $200 show and come back with $9. Like, yeah, whatever. I'm 25. I don't care. Yeah. But if you're in your 30s, like, eh, I'll just, Maybe not. I'll just <laughs> hang out in town a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those two states, because they're smart, because it's so cold, they stay inside and read books. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Even North and South Dakota, I love performing up there. Um, you yeah. think it's a hunger for entertainment because they don't necessarily get all the national acts that we would get here on the east coast um i don't know if it's that i think it's just they're those kind of people yeah like when i said when i lived in minnesota they were great sports fans music fans and a lot of people hunted like even these super liberal people where in another city you wouldn't think that would happen but like yeah we have ice fishing shack <laughs> that we go to every year yeah. so they're just I don't know if it's the Scandinavian people. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but they're just really Those cool in that people. Region. Nice. Okay. One thing that you and I have in common, uh, you've hosted trivia throughout your career. You've found other ways to do MC work outside of yeah. traditional stand-up. I own a trivia company called Total Quiz. That's an inside joke that my old roommate and I have that it doesn't need to go into <laughs> right now. But yeah, uh, I've been hosting for six years. That is the best supplemental income I've ever had in my entire life. That's all I, I do trivia and comedy, and that's it. And I am, you know, I'm very comfortable in my living. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you I mean, I'm a regular dude. <laughs> like, I'm a middle class citizen, but I, I love it. Like, I know you. How long have you been hosting? I've been a full time host at the Beer Hive for Zoch Trivia. It'll be two years in next month, I think, in September. Um, so, and I had filled in for him a little bit before that. So just over two years, but I love it. It's been great. I had even previously hosted an open mic in the same time slot, but the money is more consistent. And as much as I liked doing something that I could contribute to our open mic community here, at the end of the day, I was able to supplement one of my bills or pay off my automobile six months early because of the money I was making through trivia. Yeah, I've. Well, I owning the company, I love it because I think I always just liked like Je like I always try out for Jeopardy and stuff, and um, I just love the whole aspect of it because I love running the, and things I learned from comedy. Like every little, I was talking about this earlier about a restaurant. Like the real small differences between restaurants. It's not like oh they have this amazing sandwich that makes them different. It's the ten small things they pay attention to. Like if they slice the meat the second you order it instead of like, oh, that's been sitting there for four days. Sure. It's little things. And that's the way I treat my comedy and my trivia. Like little tiny, like how can I make this easy on myself and better for everyone else involved? And I like play like a mental chess game because I construct the game as well every week. Okay. So like you figured out like, okay, how do I make it easy enough to know but still challenging to be entertaining and then knowing what the – because – I don't know if this is uh, like your trivia. I have 99% the same players every week. Yeah, I've got quite a few regulars. Yeah. Between 8 and 15 teams, and it's at least 4 to 5 are consistent there every week. Okay, It's yeah. been really nice down there. The beer has been very good to me. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, they're good people. Actually, I, I know the people. 
Well, no, no, we don't need to talk about it. Uh, they free, are good people. Free plugs for the people. They yeah, yeah. Beer Hive, that thumbs up. There you go. They're not even sponsorship. You, they don't. They should. I'll, that is I'll send for. them this link. We, we don't have to shame them go. or anything. <laughs> when, I did, when I did a podcast for a little bit, I kept on bringing up the exchange because I really love that store. Sure. With like the old CDs and stuff, and I wanted them to sponsor me. But if you give them a free plug every single week, they're like, oh, why should we give you any money for uh, this? You're already talking about it. <laughs> so we don't need you now. But yeah, that's... Do you write the questions? I do not write the questions. So the thing that I get to do to bring my flavor to the game, in addition to just MC work, is making the playlist each week. Because the way that we format the show, you have the length of one song to each question. So they'll write down their answer and bring it up to me. And so I'm in charge of putting together a 22-song you know, party each week. And I try to make sure I vary the music. I try to make sure that I'm contributing to everybody's good time. And that's since I don't write the questions. Okay. Um, but we do. We similarly try to make sure it's a mix of you know easy and hard. And uh, some weeks are harder than others to make sure that people are are coming back. But I that's that's my spin. My really my only goal is to get one person each week to go. Hey man, I really like that song. Thanks for playing that. That's it. That's all I go in there with. And then <laughs> when it's over, I get to pack it up and go down the road to Hambones and get to hang out and do yeah, the do open mic show. and still get a, a set in. And I'm not exhausted from hosting a 20 plus comic open mic that yeah. had just ended. Trivia, even though it's the same length of time or I've got it down to about a 90 minute, 20 question format. You do not need more than 90 minutes. No. I don't know what the, there's Perfect. these corporate companies that do like soapbox uh <laughs> they do like three hour shows like no one cares they are not buying an extra drink you're yeah. lying to yourself you're holding people hostage at a certain point for yeah, for, not gonna for a that. 10 to 15 dollar discount on their bar tab yeah it's sorry it, it's not happening i reft intramurals in college so i'm very used to having like i like being in situations where i'm in charge but the prize is so preposterously small that if anybody was actually getting worked up and of course you and I both know people do uh, but oh. at the end of the day you just have to look at them with such like come on this is supposed that, to be fun that's their open mic though that's their <laughs> like this I can prove that I'm trivia that's champ. their youth group that's their church that's yeah, their whatever. open mic whatever it is that's their second place is their trivia each week and I love my regulars they're, they're all wonderful people and they come back I'll run into them in the city sometimes and what I did was get myself pens that promoted this podcast that I hand out oh. to everybody as a way to market myself at the at the trivia show. That's another. I was trying to think what my ten touches are to make my show unique. Little, as yeah, you kind of you gotta do those little, little things, things like that. yeah, that matter. That's just yeah, even like with your uh, stand up set where people go like, oh, well, how do you stick out? It's okay. So you know, I was like, Steve Jobs wore the same clothes all the time because they say a highly functioning human. Uh, like when they're in mental capacity, they make a distinct choice to where they don't have to think about that ever again. Like I did that about six years ago. I uh, I have three outfits that I wear on a weekend of shows or for like if it's a more country show, a college show, or, or like a formal show. And there, that's my outfit every single time. Yeah. I have the same pair of leather Chuck Taylors, same shirt, same jeans, 100% of shows. I do three different jackets. Just like little things where it's like, Oh, you always look like this. I'm going to feel comfortable in this outfit. I'm. It's one less thing to worry about when you're trying to remember your entire set and, and have a plan for what you're doing up there. It's nice to have a comedy uniform at yeah. some point. Yeah. And even the person booking will go, oh, I know who they are because if you send a picture, like, oh, they looked like that the last time I saw them or whatever. <laughs> now, don't do that with your act. Don't have the same act for 10 years. Sure, That's of course. That's not exactly what you want to do. But as far as those ex 
you know, there's tertiary things. Of course. That. How do you work new material in as you're doing road work? And how do you kind of structure your chunks and pillars as you plan for a feature set versus a, a headliner set? Uh, let's see. I have... I only do jokes that I like, and that's the one thing I was very proud of, that I was able just to structure it that way. And then it happens to work out, all my things tend to be six minutes about. It's kind of the way you write. A specific idea. Yeah. Three to six minutes or two three-minute things that are pretty close, and they become six. So then I just, I cut out what isn't good enough, and I have 48 minutes is really all I should be doing with an average crowd. Of course, yeah. Like, a better crowd, of course, you can do longer, but other people, I don't get why. Like we were talking about with a trivia show being 90 minutes. An ideal stand-up show, (laughs) still about 90 minutes, maybe an hour, and an ideal stand-up show. If your headliner is doing 60, then 90 minutes is perfect. Yeah, you have a, yeah, I always say people have a life to live. At some point, you're holding people hostage, and no matter how much they're enjoying themselves, they have somewhere to be. They're not going to be mad at you. You could do an encore, I guess, if you're a weird person. You would be a weird person. (laughs) You're like, oh, and one more (laughs) thing. You're like, no, we felt good, and you made us laugh. Can we just pay our check and go home? Todd Barry is the perfect of that. He does like 45 minutes to the second. Oh, nice. Uh, Until he did like the crowd work like bar thing because i think he had to do longer because yes more i know he did that west coast tour and then album yeah. he's actually going to be here right around this time the episode comes out for the pittsburgh comedy festival he's one of the headliners oh this my year. gosh todd barry top five favorite comedians absolutely love him i was lucky enough to work with him twice and love him very Absol- cool oh he's great <laughs> spicy honey that's his new hour i need to check that out it's on yeah? netflix yeah. you should try to get him on the podcast I should. What's the worst that can happen? You reach out. You try to get exactly. somebody. I'm putting it out in the universe. I want Tom Hanks while he's here being Mr. Rogers. That's my, my Tom goal. Tom Hanks? That's my, okay. that's my benchmark. Uh, Todd Berry might be a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Berry's like, oh, I know some of these comic <laughs> names. That at least checks out. Yeah, Todd Berry will, well, he'll research you. I know this because I've sat in green room with him. Okay. If anything comes in, he will spend an hour researching every meticulous thing. So, um you should say something about liking uh, hotels. Specific thing about, apparently, I don't know. He loves hotels. And he okay. looks up hotel reviews all the time. I know he talked about it in his act a few times. But no, that's a real thing. He'll sit in a green room and look at like, <laughs> this is where my hotel person. is in five months. And he'll look at every what everyone said. and So yeah, bring that up in your email. Okay. And then I think, pick him up because he likes the, that. Sure. And he also likes when comics come to see him. Because he feels, I mean, he's a comics comic. I think he loves that he he's wants a comic to give comic. advice. Well, he should be because he's great. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm in this for you, buddy. I like it. I'll Let's get it. once we get Todd Barry. I think you Tom Hanks is next. Tom Hanks. Man. Tom Hanks know. is next. Todd, I'm looking forward to you coming on this podcast, putting it out in the universe. You're welcome, or I apologize, Todd <laughs> Barry, depending on your thoughts. Could on this very matter. badly. I could come to the PCF. I'll do it backstage if it's easier for you. You just let me know, sir. I'll send you this in an email attachment. <laughs> I have faith. I have faith in this whole. So you you situation. said Todd Berry's top five. Who else would you put up there in that upper echelon? Um, let's see. There's a guy that no one's ever heard of named J. Scott Holman. Absolutely love him. He was the first comic I ever saw, and I've seen his hour. The same one 
maybe 25 times. I love it every single time. He's retired from comedy, but I love him. I used to absolutely love Bill Burr, but then his last couple hours, I'm kind of like, eh, okay. Um, I mean, he's great. I'm not of downplaying course, yeah. like, oh, I could do better. No, <laughs> but I love his first three-hour longs. I used to love... Uh, I mean, I still break him out every once in a while. Like Mitch Hedberg, Ronnie Dangerfield, yeah. guys like that. Brian Regan. I remember I saw him. Uh, it was right before I started doing comedy. I had my first set list. I brought it with me. And uh, when he got on stage, I cried. <laughs> 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 like, I was a 21-year-old man. Like, oh, Brian Regan. I didn't get him to sign it, but I had it in my back pocket. And it was like Caroline's in Times Square. And I was just on vacation. And I was like, I waited. I think... Maybe Bobby Kelly was it? It was a weird opener. Like okay. you wouldn't expect Bobby Kelly to be, but yeah, I guess the he, was like, sure. he was the house MC or whatever. Because it was this two-person show. But I like stood around and he's like, "Oh, maybe he'll come out." He never did, but whatever. I had because I'm a dork. <laughs> you gotta be a little bit of a fan of comedy, especially when you're just starting or when you're, you know, excited about it. You mentioned Brian Regan, and. Another name that I always think about as far as clean comics go, Jim Gaffigan. Oh, he's unbelievable. Incredible. And I, he and Hedberg were huge for me growing up in the same part of the country. Um, and getting, I got to go to Jokers in Dayton, Ohio when I was in high school. Jokers. And I saw Kevin Hart there. In Second 03. club I ever worked. Jokers. I loved it. And they I'm, sold uh, sex toys in the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, that's where I learned how to work with, because I, Worked at like a cool kid club, Go Bananas. That was the other, where you need to wor- know the other world of comedy. <laughs> so that's what Jokers was for. I wish that was still open. It became like they moved all the staff to Funny Bone, which is, I mean, it's a good Funny Bone or whatever, but I mean, good luck working there unless you're an MC. But I'm 14 years in. If you're MCing 14 years in, get out of the way. Let it. Okay. <laughs> let someone it. young. I don't get this when like a. Or even if you're like featuring and you're like 50, get out of the way. You don't need to be here. It didn't work out. (laughs) Let these younger comics come in. They're the future. You're a has-been. Stop it. Get out of the way. And if that happens to me, I'll admit, like, I will not take MC work unless it's like a casino in Vegas or something. I just won't because that's not me. If I'm not good enough to work another level, that's on me. You're at the point where you say, this is where I want to play. And anything less than that is a step yeah. backwards. Yeah, a club owner asked me like two years ago to MC like a regular club. I just went, no, no, <laughs> not happening. And he was shocked. He's like, we have headliners MC. Like, well, those people aren't really headliners, then, are they? No, they're MC. That's no. Okay. Don't do that. I will tell that to a comment too. Remember that. Absolutely. Be humble and don't. You're stealing from people who need to develop. Like that. I just think that's ridiculous. At what point? Is that detrimental to comedy or people who start comedy at a later age? People that don't find it necessarily uh, when they're I guess I need to apologize. To when I meant 50, I'm referring and to... And I don't... You're not going to offend me. I don't, <laughs> care. I don't care about these old people out doing there. doing comedy is probably 20 to 30 years in. That's what I meant to say. If you happen to start Certainly. when you're 45, then, okay, never mind. You're five years in. That's totally different. I guess it, I meant to... I probably should have said it that way. Where if you're Your in, comedy age. Yeah, if you're in double digits of been doing it, you're not helping anybody. So you're you're about to be 14 as far as your comedy yeah, age goes. Yeah. This was your bar mitzvah year. You spent your 13th year, your final yeah, year Yeah, in I Pittsburgh. used to have sweet Jewish hair, yeah. but <laughs> it, it's gone now. I, not so much. I'm, I mean, I'm not Jewish, but I'll, I had a sweet Got those curls. Oh, it was great. <laughs> but no. Not anymore. Gone. 
On the West Coast, maybe that sunshine will help <laughs> help oh, those locks help. come back. I would move there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that would you mentioned a couple times in here not necessarily feeling like every click is for everybody or that not doing cocaine or not partying per se um, puts you in a different light than other people. California has a certain uh, product that is available and legal there that isn't necessarily oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, case <laughs> here in Pennsylvania. Um, what are what are your thoughts or experiences with that and the prevalence that it has in the culture out there? Or what are your expectations for uh, the Cowabunga lifestyle, we'll yeah, say? Yeah, I, I mean, I just assume that's going to happen. Uh, I'm kind of excited because I heard that... Uh, Comics maybe aren't uh, on the grind as much in uh, a certain region. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. And I've heard that that's usually East Coast comics. When they go West, they're all of a sudden like, wow, you're working really hard. So that actually is helpful to them. That's the only thing that I've known. Like if, if you do whatever to your body, I care less. Fine. Don't bother me. I go individual by individual basis. Yeah. So I'll be totally. Yeah. I'm, I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> People are humans. Let them live their Let life. Let them do what they do. <laughs> yeah. Once you are set up in San Diego, what are your plans as far as being on the road percentage of the time? What are your expectations for the second half of this year and then into next year, kind of how you structure setting up shop now at year 14? Well, fortunate enough... Uh, my girlfriend will be a professor, so she'll have lots of weeks off. Uh, so I'm already setting up. I already booked uh, a weekend at a, uh, the casino in the Poconos here in Pennsylvania. So I'll have my five weeks, and that's how I'll, I'll structure it. And I even did that before if I knew, because obviously I lived places, yeah. so I have connections like in Minnesota or Cincinnati. I'm like, okay, this time I'll set up my shows. Trying to come through one of these couple weeks. <coughs> what do you have? Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough for owning the trivia company. I just hired a host, so I'll still write the questions. I'll still get my half. percentage. Yeah. So yeah, and then I'm starting the business there as well. And I'm gonna do the same thing with comedy because that's pretty much what you do. Like, that's great that you have your one city, but the whole point is to be all to over be the yeah place. able to yeah. go out and do your act for everybody. Yeah, and I'll, you know I'll, they have places like uh, you know like Phoenix is only five hours away. LA is two hours away. Uh, I'm already talking to some some booker guy in L.A. who books like Orange County and stuff. And nice. actually, the first weekend I'm there, I already have three paid shows, like Thursday. So, yeah. They're welcoming when, you in. Yeah. When, you, when you've been doing it as long as I have, you better know how to, <laughs> who to set up to your schedule. Least. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. With this podcast for the last dozen or so weeks, we've been asking a question. And it's uh, it's a segment we call Always Improving. And the, the question is, um, what is the one thing that we can do as people to help improve the human experience on this planet? And it can be something as small or as big as you'd like to discuss. Uh, but I would like to say that this segment has been uh, recently sponsored. So like you and your trivia company, I got to pay the bills. Gotta oh, do there a, you go. Got to do a quick plug so you can think about your answer. While I let our friends know that, like every week, this segment is brought to us by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. 
and they handle drug and alcohol treatment here in western Pennsylvania. They've got a number of facilities throughout the region. And if you want to reach out, Always Improving is brought to you by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. There are many options to pay for drug and alcohol rehab with or without insurance. For more information, contact Greenbrier confidentially at 1-800-637-HOPE or online at greenbrier.net. So, Matt, what can we do to improve the human condition? Uh, understand each person is an individual. And know as much as you can, if you happen to spend a lot of time around them, know their, their history and why things may occur. Now, don't let them use that like as a scapegoat. Like, oh, this happened to me when I was seven. Yes, that can have a large effect and have that understanding. But if you've done nothing about that and you're 45, 60, or whatever, you know, 31, whatever your age yeah. is, it's like it gets to a point where it's like, eh. Because uh, my mother had an extremely difficult childhood. She did not, and it was generational. She stopped that. On her own, and that's one of the main reasons why I love her. I mean, besides the mom, whatever that life thing yeah, that people know. talk about, but that is she birthed me. Her entire there were like eight kids. Most of them had a similar situation. They all stopped it. So you could say the bigger problem, like, oh well, if that happened to all these people, then we should be okay with it, or you know, whatever. But it's like, no, you see in the individual, see what the individual has done, and if they're changing their life or pushing forward, then. You should have empathy for anybody's exactly. situation and not assume that you know what's going on behind the scenes. Exactly. Unless or you do. ask if you actually or, yeah, care. If, you, if you're willing to get to know people on a human basis, um, yeah, which I'm, is, that's I, what it's all about. That's the easiest thing because people really do make sweeping generalizations and then they say, oh, well, this guy does this, so why should he get money or, well, you know, whatever you, stupid, small-minded people think. And that's a lot of like, what it no, is. Just, yeah. Each individual. That's all. We're okay Let's with this. <laughs> we have to govern generally, but we have to talk to people like they're sitting there in front of us. And they'll probably be willing. More receptive. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. trust me, everyone wants to talk about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not going to be a problem. I've had a hundred plus guests on this podcast, Matt. People want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to invite them in. Let them sit down with you for a little while. Um, what could you say from somebody who's spent the last six years and seen how much Pittsburgh has grown from a comedy standpoint in the last, you know, half dozen years, what can we still do better as a town and what are we excelling at? Um, the be I think there's a young group of comics who are in their early 20s who vo whose voices aren't necessarily heard by the general cool kids. Uh I think that's the biggest problem because I love their energy because there is an overall kind of beat down like we're tough and aggressive and we ah, we're unhealthy and we don't like great. You're, you're never going to leave your city, if you do, which if that's what your goal is, best of luck to you. Yeah. But I really think that's what I really like seeing. And that's like the past two years. Like Joe, you talk about it Monday. I love that room. I love his energy. I think he's a great host. Elliot Burns. I love that. Smiling Moose Monday show. Sure. It is so great. It's not the same 15 people, which I understand having continuity and like, oh, you've done shows. I get it. But there still have to be rooms where the young people feel comfortable, can get up 
and be challenged and work to get better. And they do a different style of comedy. Just, I mean, that's going to happen anyway because you have a different life experience. That's the part that I had only noticed in the past two years and I love. I Good, really yeah. like that part. So as long as that builds, that's fantastic. And then also don't hate on if people get certain shows. Like, But that's any scene. Yeah. I mean, it might be a little bit more here, but it's like, just let let people comedy. Let comedy comedy. How about that? The goal is to have fun and be silly enough that the people watching, the real audience members, not the other comics, are enjoying themselves and forgetting about the other stuff they have to deal with when they that 90 minutes is up and we don't hold them hostage at the end of a show. Yeah, you care less and less about if a comic, how a comic... Now, as a human, you probably do... Like, I'm 14 years in. Like, I care about people personally. Yeah. But as far as if they're in the back of the room laughing, that... Sorry, Doesn't matter. I care less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go this other... Si- like, okay, great. And have fun. Have fun doing you. And <laughs> yeah. it's not a race against anybody else that's in the back of the room. It's not. And if it takes someone longer to do a show, but then eventually they do, congratulations. Good. Yeah. Like, do I like talking to you off stage? That's kind of all I care about. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Be are a good you f- human. Are you fun in a green room? Can I... Yeah, that's enjoy- it. <laughs> don't I- care. Other than that, just don't... I don't even care if you do badly or well in front of me. I'll still get up and do my thing. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those comics who blames whatever happened before. You go up and you deal with a situation. Every it's it's like playing golf. You gotta yeah. you gotta hit the ball where it ended up. Bernie Mac made a career off of seventeen people eating it at the Apollo Apollo, and then he said, "I'm not scared of you." And he just said that. And then, <laughs> I watch, I watch that probably once a month. Yeah, that's it. That's one of my go-to. It uh, is the most. And then he does that little dance where I'll kick it. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't scared of you. <clears throat> God, yeah, Bernie Mac, rest in peace, I man. Love one, Bernie. Of the, oh gosh, one of the all-time greats. As we wrap up, I know you got to get out of here. Any got que- host that trivia? Got to get y'all. that trivia in, man. Um, any uh, any follow-up? Any any goals? What are you trying to work on in the next six months to a year? What are you trying to finish out 2018 with? Uh, comedically, it's uh, getting established in another region of the country. Um, I'm always trying to prove myself as a human. Like, I'm always trying to do that. And then also, uh, I really want to get into, a, it's going to sound weird, but kids' uh, literature. Like, writing it. Like, I write, like, kids' poems, short yeah. stories, and stuff like that. That's something I've always wanted to do. And that's when I'm not focusing on jokes, I, because my mind just is constantly going. Like I stay up really late at night and I watch baseball and write and just I got a lot of ideas. <laughs> so try. And the older I get, the more I channel it. So I would say yeah, it's my next one. Is really focus on like continue with the stand up and then also go to kids books. I like that man. That's good to have a goal outside of comedy sometimes too. And it can be comedy related or comedy can influence it certainly. Oh, yeah. um, well, just practice writing. That's an, like no that's brainer. Literally, yeah. all comedy is. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you're writing things to make strangers enjoy. That's all. You're wearing the Cooperstown T-shirt. You just mentioned baseball. We're both from the Cincinnati area. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, with certainly not enough time for a full explanation, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame because of what he did as a player and. Um, He's not really a great human being. My uncle, uh, who's no longer with us, uh, grew up in the same neighborhood as him. They used to play basketball. He's an 
amazing athlete. He's my uncle would tell me how he would dunk all the time. He's like a five ten fat was, guy, yeah, but he was short. doing like tomahawk dunks in the nineteen seventies and sixties. <laughs> but yeah, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame as a Definitely. player. No question. As a as a human being, no. But no, no, he's not a he's Hall of Fame human bag. being. But he looks like a guy who has like. 19 Diet Mountain Dews a day. That's what I would say. This is the only thing that ever... They had the All-Star Game in Cincinnati like maybe five years ago. It was right right around the time I moved here. And he was on the Fox broadcast, and baseball had made an exception. They were going to let him on the field because they were doing the four best players from every team, like the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and he has to be. And he has to be on that list. But he's leaving Fox News or Fox Sports early uh, one segment, and he's got to leave to go down to the field. So before he gets up, he goes, I know you guys were wondering before I get out of here, I just wanted to say I'm going American League 4-2. to two. And <laughs> I just <laughs> – the fact that he did that shows that he's not sorry, <laughs> that, not he d- that he doesn't really know why people are mad. You know what I mean, right? Wink, wink. He's like, come on, guys. <laughs> Denunzios, you know, you heard we're that, right? Giving the back. I'm like, come on, man, the score too? Good for you. I th- – yeah, I don't know. It, that makes me laugh always. That's that's my Pete. I'm going. Yep, you still. It you don't does feel. Does not care. Does not care. Just, <laughs> I'm Pete Rose. I'm gonna do what I want. Well, thank you for coming in, man. Go do what you want out in San Diego. Enjoy that trivia tonight, and thank you for uh, spending some time with us. All right, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collection. Thank <laughs> you.